I want to take you on a journey. We're going to start a new series this morning. And really what we're calling, this is what we do. Say, this is what we do. So what do we do? Well, we're going to find out what we do. And, uh, and we're going to put God first. And so today I want to talk to you about the blessings of generosity. Say, let me say generosity. generosity. You see, how many of you know that this is a generous church? Okay, how many of you go, I didn't know, you know, I just, I don't know nothing. I just showed up this morning. Well, you know, if I could just talk about it, we've been here 18 years, and, uh, and, and I want to talk to you, you know, as a church, you know, what we've done is, I remember uh, for Christmas time, for some of you have been with us for a lot longer, we'd go down to Paradise Park, and we'd cook uh, hot dogs and hot chocolate, and we'd get all these little kids gifts and stuff for, for Christmas, and, and uh, what we would do is, uh, you know, at the end, we'd have all these gifts wrapped up, and I remember a little girl, uh, one time she she, uh, we gave her a gift, and it was a Barbie doll inside, and she was probably four or five, and I'll never forget, she just, this is what I always dreamed of having, <laughs> and I remember going to doors with different people, and people would give us names, and we'd go, and we'd give gifts to people, and, and just see, see the people, they were just blown away, and it didn't matter what side of the track, what color your skin was, we just showed up to try to be a blessing, Amen. And, you know, and, and I, I can remember we, uh, we also helped years ago at the old high school. We said, well, how can we just love the teachers there? And we went and we toured the school. And what we did is we saw the teacher's lounge. It was just like terrible. So we decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to gut that teacher's lounge and we're going to rebuild it for the teachers. And that's exactly what we did. We went in there, rebuilt it, repainted it, put new shelves, got new furniture, all those things, and just blessed the teachers. And you know, not only that, that we now, for many of you, we do teachers appreciation at Lake Arthur and, and uh, here and Hathaway and other places. And, and we've just loved on the teachers. And they, I mean, you know, when you love on people, they like it. And, you know, not only that, but, you know, we did the egg drop this year. We had over 7,000 people for the egg drop. And when people show up, everything's free but the food. We don't, we don't sell the food. We let vendors come, but the kids have fun jumps. They do things, and people in the community now have gotten together and help us sponsor it. We used to put up our money, but isn't it great when people in the community say, hey, we want to help. And so it's been a community effort. And I know when we had hurricanes, we had, uh, we had Katrina that we actually went to New Orleans and in Mississippi and helped there. Uh, we had Rita. And uh, I can remember we had a two-and-a-half-mile line because we were the only relief center in this whole area when Rita hit. And I'll never forget, the joke was that Walmart ran out of toilet paper, and we had lots of it. And so people said, man, man, man we got the run to our Savior's Church. So you can figure that out later. But anyway... And then I think about at times when people, relatives and stuff, we've done funerals, when people just in a hard tragedy, we've been able to help people even in their funerals at times. We've, we've, we, you know, we, we help meals. We have a meals ministry when people have gotten sick or coming out of the hospital. People are able to get a meal for a week or 10 days and just being able to be a blessing to them. We actually support ministries overseas. We have adopted orphans in Africa that have no parents, that have, well, that have been AIDS victims. We have little girls. It's called the Dignity Project where they, they learn to say no to sex traffickers in Kenya and Sri Lanka and Pakistan. And we've been able to do that to be able to buy those kits. In fact, Becky, uh, Becky will be with us next week to talk to you a little bit about the Dignity Project, what we do all over the world. And, and I think about what we're, and it's not, that's not me, that's you. That's us as a church. Amen. That's what we do. Say, we, that's what we do. 
And, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, I want to lead you. I want to lead in a way that is ir- irrational generosity. I mean, I want us to lead as a church and as a community that just people go, they're crazy. They just give. You know, let me ask you, has God given you a lot? Why wouldn't we want to be generous? And, and see, if God's generous to us, why shouldn't we be generous? And I've learned over the years, when you do, God always brings the supply, whatever you need. And see, I want to lead this. Tragically, most people start to get uncomfortable when you talk about generosity. How many are you talking about? Say, oh, man, I should have slept in this morning. You know, but see, most people think they are generous. Just because you think, think something doesn't mean that you, that's what you are. You see, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about two things this morning. I want to talk to you about what giving is. Giving and generosity are two different things. I'm going to say it again. Giving and generosity are two different things. If you're going to be generous, you're going to orient, orient your life around the thrill of being used by God to make a difference. You're going to say, man, God, I just want to be able to make a difference. How many of you say, man, Pastor, but I want to make a difference for God and his kingdom? Good, one person. I'm going to try that again. How many of you say, man, I want to make a difference, and I want to learn. I want to make a difference in this world. Good, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, all right, good. And so what happens is, is, you know, most Americans don't feel rich. But can I just say something? But we are. And most Americans think they're generous, and we're not. I'm just going to say that again. Most Americans don't feel rich, but we are. But most Americans think they're generous, but they aren't. What do you mean, Pastor? When we compare ourselves to someone, you know, we we feel poor when we compare ourselves to someone that has more than we do. You know what I'm talking about? They say, you know, they say this. If you own a car, think about this. If you own a car, you're in the top six to nine percent richest people in the whole world. Think about that. And some of us got two. Now think about it. Think about, let's say, after church today, that's how blessed we are. Think about it. After church today, you're going to leave and you're going you're to be hungry. And you go, you know what, baby, let's go out and eat. And you may pass three or four or five or six restaurants you really don't want to go to. And, you know, and the cool thing is we have a choice. And you go, you pull up in that restaurant, you pull up at that restaurant in the parking lot, get out, and you go into the restaurant and there's a girl there and she's going to take your order. Not only is she going to take your order, but she's going to bring you your food. And then when you're done with that, you're going to go home. You're going to drive home to a climate-controlled house. Are you with me? And then you actually pull up when you pull up in your car, and your car has a house. And then because you ate, you actually go in the room and get rid of everything that you ate. And you're able to press a little flush, and it flushes down into the hole, and we're all glad. But, you know, there are some places there's no flush, and it just stays in the hole. Are you with me? And see, not only that, before you came to church this morning, you went and you opened your closet, and it's full of clothes. But somehow you get, I ain't got nothing to wear. When we compare ourselves to, some, you know, to others, we're just blessed. See, the average American gives 2.8% what they give away every year. And if you make $100,000 to $200,000, it gets worse. They give 2.6% away. And see, as Christ followers, I believe that that's not, that's, can I just say, that's just not honoring God to me. 
And not only that, that is not generous. That, but that is not what we do. In other words, we truly believe, listen to me, that, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. Thank you for nodding your heads. Donkeys nod their heads. Okay? The truth is most people want to give. They just don't feel like they can. Why? Because the reason is they have a scarcity mindset. In other words, like, Pastor Bob, you know, I, just, I don't know. I mean, I remember as a kid growing up in South Louisiana that if, 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 if I worked or raked leaves or edged something and, or had a relative that wanted to be nice to me and they wanted to give me a $5 bill or a $10 bill, that $10 bill was big in my day, okay? I'm 58, so I'll just tell you. I mean, I used to edge people, like, not with the, not with the gas edger, with the little, with the two wheels. You get 75 cents. I tried to rip off a lady that was crippled because she can go out to the end of her driveway. My dad made me give the money back. She goes, she goes are you done? I go, I'm done. And I thought, and I, did, I didn't sweep. My dad came home. He said, did you do everything? Oh, yeah, I did everything. He went over there. You didn't sweep her thing. Go give her back her money. But daddy, I think she's crippled. She ain't going to look. I was a little thief. But my dad taught me a lesson of character. You, you finish what you start. And see, I believe that sometimes we have the scarcity mindset. Well, if I do this, then I'm just not going to have enough. And I remember my dad, I had my relatives, and they, get, they you know, it's like, and, and they say, if they give you some money, tell them no thank you. How many of you grew up that way? Some, you know, someone's going to give you money. That is a poverty mentality. I taught my kids, if someone wants to give you something, say thank you. What can I do for you? As a, preachers, priests, they know. It's called a Pentecostal handshake. You know what that is? When someone got money in their hand and they slap you and then go in. They know what to do with that. Thank you. <laughs> you see, I just believe that scarcity is a cycle. It's a mindset. And see, I want you to understand, scarcity is a cycle. And so what happens, because people live in scarcity, they go, well, I just don't have enough. And, and they, they go, see, let me just say that God supplies. How many of you God can supply everything you need? And so what we do is that God, see, God supplies and we consume. Come on, how many, you got, how many consumers we got in the house? And we consume, and then we think, because we consume, we just lack and then when we lack, what happens? We walk in fear. <gasps> I'm not going to have enough. Uh, where's that going to come from? Oh, my gosh. Ah! And, we cons- and we get so freaked out, we just consume more. And then we get in that cycle of like, we consume, we lack, we fear, we consume, we consume, we lack, we fear. Ah! Oh, me, oh, my. You know what I mean? And so what happens is, this is called living paycheck to paycheck. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, say, Pastor, oh, me, oh, my, that's me. Pass them on by. See, you can't seem to get ahead. You're always going to struggle. See, I, I, wish, I, you know, I wish I could give more, Pastor Bubba. You know what? See, let me just say that if, if I'm talking this morning and your butt cheeks have gotten tight this morning in your chair because I'm talking about it, this message is for you. You see, I believe this is that, 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 you know what? The reason so many people have a problem with generosity is because they have a scarcity mindset. Are y'all with me? As Christ followers, we must refuse to have a scarcity mindset. Why? I love coming to the Jennings campus. Y'all ask simple questions. Why, Pastor Bubba? Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to give you why. Because of what God has done, this is what we do sometimes. 
Here it is. We give generously. Let me just say that because what God has done, this is what we, learn, we need to learn to do. We give generously. Say it with me. Say, we give generously. Let's look what the Word of God has to say in 2 Corinthians. And it says this, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and 9. It says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Who decides that? Who? You. And listen, let me just say, at this church, if you've been at this church any long period of time, you know we don't, get, we don't share sad stories to get an offering. We're not going to put up little pictures of little Bangladesh poster children with malnutritious belly flies, and, and they got the little bowl, and we go, if you don't give, we can't feed him. We don't do that. We don't kind of work you up, and you go, I got to give. You know what I mean? I've been in those places. I've heard those stories. You see, I believe this is that what the Bible says is that you give, and don't give reluctantly. See, if you're going to give reluctantly, can I just say this? Keep it. Just keep it. We don't need it. Just keep it. Or in response to pressure. Just look how I was talking about that pressure. You ever feel something? Pressure. When Girl Scout cookies come, we feel the pressure. And now we have excuses. Well, they, they support this and they support that. And I used to like the peanut butter cookies because you could put them in milk and eat them in milk. Man, shah. Oh, como sabá. Anyway, just it says, it says to pressure. Here's what it says. For God loves a person who gives what? God loves it when people just go, you know what? That's just what I do. That's what I do. And he says this, he says, and God will what? Come on, what does this word say? Generously provide what? You know, when I looked in the Bible, you know what all means? It means all. You need, all you need. That's what we do. When God blesses us, we give. In other words, when we are generous, God loves it. And let me tell you, not only God loves it, but people love it too when we're generous. You see, it's most... It is more blessed to give than to receive. This is what we do because this is, this, is, this is what we do. This is it. And see, the thing is, this is what God does. Listen to me. God multiplies abundantly. In other words, God's not into addition. God's into multiplication. Now, I grew up, and just let you know, my religious background, my mother was Methodist, my dad was Baptist. They fought, so we didn't go to church much because they couldn't figure out which one they were going to go to. My, my, my grandmother on one side was Jehovah Witnesses, and all liars go to Kingdom Hall, Jehovah Witnesses. And then, and then my other grandmother was charismatic, and, so, and she loved Jesus. She had a chain. She, was filled with the, she wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. She was filled with the Holy Ghost. And then my mom left my dad, and... She married a guy that was Catholic. So I didn't need religion. I need out of my state of confusion. Okay? And so here, here's what I'm going to talk to you about. See, God multiplies abundantly. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 10 through 11 says, For God, who is that? For who? For God is the one who, what? Provides. Say, say, just say it to your neighbor and say, God provides. And look at the other person you didn't think you didn't want to talk to today. Tell them, you too. God provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide, there is that word again, and what? Your resources. How many of you like to have a little increase? Come on. You know what I got mad? I had the Trump bump. I don't care if you vote for him or not. And then Bobby 
Bell Edwards, whatever his name is, gave me the, the Louisiana bump. He took what Trump, my Trump bump away. Did y'all experience that? Okay, I'm not trying to be political, but that's just what happened. So I was mad. I go, that brother. Anyway, it was our legislature too. But anyway, he says, increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of what? In you. In other words, when we understand generosity and begin to give, it breaks the cycle of scarcity. It breaks the cycle. It starts a new cycle. And see, when we sow God's blessing, this is what happens. Let me show you right here. God supplies. God supplies. See, God supplies. We give. This is what happens. When we give, God multiplies. He doesn't just add. He multiplies. He breathes on it. How many of you like God to breathe on your life? How many of you like God to breathe on your finances? Some of you need revival in your checkbook. Amen? Come on, pray for my checkbook. You know, it's not the way it works. But and he said, God multiplies. And then what happens when God multiplies, it starts building your faith. You're going, wow, look at this. There are times, listen, when I was engaged in my wife and we were poor missionaries and we didn't even, I went, this was, I was stupid, okay, number one. I didn't pull out the box and go, will you marry? I asked her to marry me before I had a ring. And I brought her to the store to pick out the ring. Okay, that's kind of backward, okay? And we didn't even have, I had enough money for the down payment, but I'd been paying my tithe. Come on. And I'll never forget, she, you know, we're looking at all these rings, we couldn't, and she goes, you know what? I got this ring in the back. The diamond's bigger than all the ones I've showed you. And because we were looking with magnifying glasses, you know, well, there's a diamond in there somewhere, but anyway. And I'll never forget, she goes, you know what? Dad, someone having a layaway. And they couldn't afford it, and it's in the back. And she came and brought it back, and went, oh. And then she says, and then we'll sell it for such and such price. And I'm like, oh. And so I don't know how much I put down, maybe $100 or something, you know. And I'll never forget, I'd been paying my tithe. Now, my grandmother was charismatic. She could hear the Lord, I promise you. That week, she sent me the rest of the money to pay for the ring. And I did surprise Tracy. I put it in my, hey. I mean, she meant to hold my hand. And, you know, and it's like I just know this. God just multiplied it. And see, for many of us, God supply. We give. God multiplies. And guess what happens when, when God multiplies? Our faith begins to grow. Amen? You know, I, and what God wants to do is he wants to build your faith, but he wants your faith to, go, to grow. And so what would happen, all of a sudden we say, wait a minute. And, and look at me. I've been to places where they tell you if you give, you get. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about when you have a heart for God and you have a heart for his kingdom. It's not what you get if you give. It's a, it's a heart issue. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's about when I learn to give what God wants me to give and have a heart or a spirit of generosity, God builds faith and I give and all of a sudden the cycle keeps going around. And let me just say that tithing breaks the cycle of scarcity. It creates a new cycle of supply. Amen? 
The first 10% of everything we receive belongs to God. It's an act of worship. And some people, well, Pastor Bubba, that's an Old Testament principle. And and I don't know if that's in the New Testament. Well, let me tell you something. Before the law was written, before the Ten Commandments were written, if you saw Cecil B. DeMille last week, Moses. Before he got that, what happened is Abraham, Abraham was giving 10% of all he had in honor of worship to God. And actually, Jesus says two times in the gospel that we should tithe and don't forget the important matters of the law. He thought, in other words, he was just assuming that we would understand that tithing is important. This is just what we do. See, God blesses us. We give back, and the cycle of scarcity is broken. So I want to give you, I have three thoughts, and I want to, Talk about these thoughts, and I'm going to be done. We're going to put a ribbon and a bow on it, and that's going to be it. Is that all right? And so what happens, here's the thoughts. The power of the tithe. Number one, tithe, the tithe teaches us to put God first. Say it when you say God first. See, Deuteronomy says the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. I know by now some of you are thinking, man, I should have slept in this morning. I can't believe Pastor Bubba was talking about this this morning. I should have slept in. It was cold. I had an excuse. And, you know, I was cold. And now he's talking about a subject I don't even like to talk about, listen to. And maybe your visitor going, I knew if I came to church, I'm going to talk about giving. Well, good morning. <laughs> and here's what it is. I know now that some of you are thinking, man, I should, I should have skipped. For me, for me to do that, you know, for me to do this as a pastor, you say, Pastor Bubba, if you're saying that's how I'm supposed to live, then I got to, are you telling me that I have to rearrange my whole life around God? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Well, Pastor, does that really mean that I, I have to give up something to really to begin to apply this in my life? Yes. Well, Pastor Bubba, well, that would stretch my faith. And is that what you're really saying? Have you ever seen a stretch Armstrong? My son, Andrew, when he was a little kid, he had to have a Stretch Armstrong for Christmas one year. And a Stretch Armstrong is you can just stretch. I mean, they would stretch it across the room, his arms and his legs and stretch. And, you know, and see, can I tell you something? God wants to stretch my faith and God wants to stretch your faith. Because if you sit on your blessed assurance in that chair only on Sunday and saying, Jesus is mine and everything's fine, you'll never be stretched. Thanks for all those amens. Didn't that feel good? It takes faith to give first. It doesn't take faith to give last. Reminds me because, yeah, it reminds me because you're, he's blessed us. Can I just say, when I know this, God has blessed me, and it's an honor to give back to God and whatever I can give and to help people when I can help them. Is that all right? It's, it's an honor for me to do that. I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed. You know, tithing teaches us to put God first. The second thing that is this, the tithe builds our faith. The tithe builds our faith. You see, you see, the, you see the faithfulness of God. And see, let's go into Malachi, and it says this, Malachi 3, 10 and 11. Oh, wow, they put it up there. Whoa, okay. It says, bring the whole. Bring the what? Bring, it means... Don't fudge. Bring it all. The whole tithe into the storehouse that you may be, you may be, there may be food in my house. 
Now listen, this is the only time in all the Scripture, in all the New Testament, the Old Testament, it's the only time that God ever says this, test me. Test me. Test me. Test me. He said, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see, and here's that little word, if. It's con- a word, if, is like the word, but. If is conditional. Are you hearing me? Sometimes in the Bible, it'll say, but, and I always like to say this, when it says, but, where do you put your but? That keep doing what you're doing or allow God to, to change you, to allow God to have his way in your own heart and in your life and your decisions. He says, I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. How many of you like a, how many of you ever been around a place where it just like, it's like the water just gushing. It's like a flood. You ever see a levee break? I was talking to a friend of mine this week, yesterday, and he said, when I was a kid, you know, he said, I remember when we used to, when they were going to close all the ponds and drain the crawfish ponds, that was the time we'd stand, we'd wait, and we'd get nets or buckets, and we'd wait for the crawfish to swim in them. And sometimes the pressure of the water would give you so much, it would actually bring you out. I, I lived in Oregon and Washington for a couple of years, and even though I'm from here, and I remember I, I'd watch them open up those floodgates for those salmon. And the force of that water that actually drives high, uh, uh, electricity, uh, hydroelectric uh, pumps and all that, that drives, and the water, the water pressure is just phenomenal. It's the snow coming down off the mountains in the Cascades that melts, and all of a sudden it creates this pressure. And what happens is it just, it just begins to build. And that's what God's saying. I want to just bless. How many of you like to have so much you can't even hold on to all of it? That you just got to give it away. Anyway, that's what he's saying. And pour out so much blessing that you will not be, there will not be room enough to store it. In other words, he's saying, don't worry about storing it. You ain't got to, there ain't enough storage you got. You have to learn to give it. And see, Give me what he's saying is give me your first and give me your best, and I'll I'll bless the rest. Here's here's my here's my challenge. Why don't you trust and test God for the next ninety days? Let Him challenge you. Nothing that I'm telling you, but you know what? Put God to the test. You put God to the test and see what God does when you test Him. You see, I believe this: ninety percent of God's blessing goes further than a hundred percent without the blessing. I believe that. Well, I can't afford it. Well, can I just say this? It, it, I'll just never be able to do it. Let, let me just, it's like this. I say, all right, I can't do it. Pastor, I can't do it. It'd be like me inviting you to the gym, okay? I want you to sh- drop down and give me 40 push-ups. 40 push-ups? Pastor Bubba, I'm 62. I can't do no push-up. The only push-up I have is my spoon calisthenics with my rice. No. Can I tell you something? The first time you may go in there, you're going, and you might make one. But if you keep showing up at the gym, in a week you may do three. Come on. If you keep testing it out and showing up and being faithful, you know, in a month you might be doing 15. But in six months you'll be dropping 40, baby. I think I had 10. Come on. And then guess what happens? When you start testing and you overcome what you said you couldn't do, you start telling people, come on, drop down and give me 40. Oh, I can't do that. It's, a, it's just the same thing. Come on. Like, you know, I can't do that. Well, start somewhere. 
Just start. You see, I, I can just say this. <laughs> when Tracy and I first got married, we made $650 a month. Our rent was like, we were talking about it last night, about $245. I gave her a limit. The most we can give is $225. Then we found this sweet little place downtown next to the Hobnob that's famous in Tacoma, Washington. And all it had was old ladies. We never turned on the heat because all of them were old. And when it, got, when it got winter, they all had their heaters on. So, and we lived on the third floor, so the heat just rose. And I remember getting my bill after two months. It was $6. <laughs> and I can remember just, you know what? I can remember us writing out that $65 tithe check, okay? And I, I, can I just say, we'd write out, and, and you know, and it's like, and let me just say, if you don't know what a check is, ask your grandmother, and I'll tell you what a check is. Okay? You know, for some of you, what's a check? And so, I, I, can I just say this? In 34 years of marriage, it'll be 34 years of August, we have always honored and worshiped God through our giving. It's a pleasure. It's not something we do after everything's paid for. It's something we do before we see anything. We know it's coming, but before we do anything else, that's the first thing that we take care of. It's number one. God, we're going to honor you with what you're giving. I can remember beginning starting this church. And we had, we actually, this, this property, the 3.5, we almost own 12 acres now. But at the first we started, we started in that front building. And it's like we call it the firehouse or whatever. And what happened is uh, Columbia Gulf owned it. And I called them one day and I said, I said hey, man, um, I heard that they had, I heard y'all selling that, that place out there in, in Jennings. And I'm calling about that. And I got a great idea for y'all, something that could be very beneficial for you. He goes, well, what's that? I said, you know what? We're a church and you can give it to us and it'd be a great tax write-off. And he thought, he probably thought, you, who's this crazy child on the other end of the phone? But he said this. He said, you know what? We can't give it to you. But you know what? About a week later, he called me back. We can't give it to you. We had a meeting. But if you can get up, get the money in about six and a half weeks, we'll drop $50,000. They were asking $150,000. We'll, we'll, we'll sell it to you for $100,000. So guess what? I started talking to people. I used to do a Bible study, and I'm not going to say the guy's name or the company. I used to do a Bible study at this company in, in, in Lafayette. And he heard we were going to start a church. He called me. He said, Bubba, you know what? You've been faithful to show up. And he said, this is what I'll do. I will give. If you get up, I'll give up to $50,000, and I'll match it. I had another friend of mine sell some property. And he said, man, I just sold my property. I'm going to send a tithe check of $12,000 to help you get that building. I had another guy, Francis Martin, that started Family Life in Lafayette outside of Scott. I used to, when I was traveling and uh, ministering in inner cities across America, I used to stop by there. It was kind of like my church. And, and he, 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 I talk, called him one day, and a brother Francis, I mean, you know, this is what we're doing. And, we, and he said, you know what, we're, you know what, Bubba, we're going to have a we're going to have a missions offering this week. And we might give you part of that missions offering. And, you know, like three days later, after he'd taken that up, he wrote me a letter. He said, we took the missions offering and we felt like we, we weren't supposed to give you part of it. We're going to give you the, we gave you the whole thing. And he sent a four thousand dollar check. I had. And then we had, can I tell you something? We had a big church back then. We had 33 people in our church. 
And you know how much 33 people were able to raise? $32,000. It wasn't because there was pressure. It wasn't because I showed babies with malnutritious bellies. It's because, you know what? We said, you know what? We want to make a difference. And God's called us here. And you know what? When the six and a half weeks came up, guess what happened? Cash, baby! And we called it our six and a half week miracle. And we go, God, you've provided. And it wasn't about what we, you know, because we came and we said, God, you called us to this community and we want to make a difference in people's lives. Amen? And see, let me ask you a question. Has Jesus made a difference in your life in this church, made a difference in your life since you've been here? If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to see if God, you see, listen to me. Look at me. You know what we used to do? All these empty chairs. Usually we don't have this many empty chairs. It's cold. I know. People slept in. And so, what we do before services? Every empty, every chair would go, Lord, fill this chair with a person. Whoever comes, speak to their heart. Lord, if there's a marriage that sits in this chair, this couple, we pray that you would heal that marriage. God, I don't do that as often. But I'm open to let you come before service. You want to pray over the chairs because you know what a chair represents? It doesn't just represent a butt. It represents a person. It represents a situation. It represents people that God can touch their lives and change them for eternity. Amen? Amen. When I look over here and I look at Mike, who's an elder now at this church, he came on a Wednesday night. You remember that? His friend brought him. I was preaching that night and he came. And then he just, man, I just wanted me and Josh and I went in the back and we just led Mikey to the Lord. And was there a journey in that? Absolutely. And the cool thing is he, he was, can I just tell him what the situation was? They were living together. Him and Mike, uh, Allie were living together. And can I tell you something? I said, listen, and they go, we want to do it God's way. And they said, we'll move out. And they did. And I said, and don't lay hands on her. Don't feel like you got to pray for her either. And they honored God. And what an honor it was to marry them and to see what God, only God. Are you hearing me? It's what we do. It's who we are. You see, fear will try to ruin your faith. But when God begins to provide, your fear is no longer the loudest voice in your mind. Come on. I've met people go, oh, I can't do that. You know, fear is a sin. The Bible says, cast your cares or cast your fears on me because I will take care of you. Come on. You know, some of you are holding on to your fears so tight you won't let go. He's going, oh. You know, it's kind of like, like he's talking to you right now. Oh, don't, don't listen to him. Oh, no, I will be nice to you. See, if fear has been doing calisthenics in your mind for years, the question is what's stronger? You trusting God or your fear. Amen? Thanks for all those amens. just made me feel so good. See, the third thing and the final thing, the tithe provides for the work of God's church. The Bible says in Malachi 3.10, it says this. It says, bring the what? Whole tithe into the what? Storehouse. That's the church. That there may be food in my house. Yeah, you know, I just asked, how many of you have been changed? Guess what? That's the food that's in the house. The food represents the Word of God. It's called the bread of life, the living water. 
that you come here, you get water, you get full. I want you to walk out of here today filled with the gospel. And you go, where you been? I've been, I'm full gospel believer. Feeling good. Just full. Because see, I want you to walk in the doors, but I want you to walk out the doors kind of like a, I I hate to say it, but no, I won't say it. I want to say it. The Lord just told me not to say it. Lord, please. No, anyway, make the point. But see, my desire is this, that when you walk in here, you're hungry, you desire God. And when you walk out of here, you walk out fat in God. That you're willing to be faithful to him, accountable to him, and that you'll have a heart that's teachable. Amen? Amen. That's what fat means. Sit, sit here, let me tell you, write it down. Fat means faithful, accountable, and teachable. You know, that's what it means. I'm going to be faithful to God. I'm going to be accountable to his voice. And I want to have a teachable heart. Because can I just tell you something? Every time the gospel, look at me, I want to tell you, this is extra. Every time the gospel is ministered to, it's going to do one or two things. It's going to either soften someone's heart and open it up. It has an effect on everybody. Or it's going to harden somebody. This is what it does. It's either going to soften you or harden you. And it's what, you know, see, how many of you, you know, it's like, I think about this, just spiritual food. Let me just tell you about, here's the crazy thing. Last week, now think about it, in our three campuses, we had 1,448 people in all of our campuses. Give God, come on, give God a hand. And out of those 1,448 people, 182 people raise their hand to give their lives to Jesus. That's better than 10%. I'm going to tell you one story, just one. Is at our Crowley Church, our Crowley campus. And there's a girl there, her name's Catherine. And her and her husband are very involved in the church there. They're the leaders at the Crowley campus. I love them. They're both very musical and just faithful people. And they love Jesus, and they love people, and they're very generous. And Catherine, she works at the courthouse in Crowley. And she's been inviting this lady that works with her to church. And, you know, it's like, how many of you have ever invited someone, and they just kind of give you the, one day? (laughs) Or go, thank you, I'll think about it. Come on, how many of you had those? And so she kept inviting her and inviting her, and one day, thank you, appreciate it. And then on Easter... She showed up. And Catherine's so excited. She goes, that's the lady. I mean, how many you know if you've been inviting someone for two years and they show up, you might get excited. That's her. That's her. And what happens is, she doesn't just come sit in church. She comes sits in the front row. And whilst Zach is ministering, preaching, God's working on her heart, and she starts crying. And she didn't just cry to herself. You know how you can cry to yourself? <laughs> She's going, Something's coming out. No, I don't know. <laughs> She's just, God's touching her. God's moving on her heart. And Zach said at the end, he said, Dad, I said, anybody want to give their life to Jesus? And she just, <laughs> She starts crying like that. She gives her life to Jesus. 
Because see, can I tell you, look at me. Catherine was just excited she came. She didn't know that she was going to, like, commit. Come on. Sometimes we just see a sign. They came. But you know what we're really believing for? That God would speak to their heart. Come on. Do you remember that day that God spoke to your heart? And all of a sudden, he began to make a difference. We're leading people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. This is what we do. And can I tell you something? I'm not ashamed to talk about this because of what he's done in my life. I can remember when I, I mean, I got caught with drugs two weeks before I graduated from Our Lady Fatima in, in, in Lafayette, before it became STM, St. Thomas More. I can remember I got caught with drugs on a trip in Dallas. And we blamed it on them. I brought it. And I remember they go, we're going to put you before the school board. Oh, they had the priest and all the rich people in the church, in the, in the school. And there was three of us. And I told them a story. We, we collaborated a story. And I never forget, they go, what are we going to do with him? Like, what are we going to do with him? I go, this is what they did. How many, how many of you know that would be an embarrassment to you as a parent? You go in there and you stand there with all these people around the table. and They're fixing the Because guess what? When you get caught, listen, we know that we, we deserve judgment. Come on. But we're all praying for mercy. Amen? Okay? And believe me, let me tell you something. Sometimes when God doesn't answer your prayers, that makes you pray more. And I remember they go, we're going to let them graduate. We had two weeks left to graduate. And we're going to take 5% of all their grades. I needed all the 5% I could get. And they go, and you can't go to junior, senior prom, and you can't graduate with the class. You'll graduate, but not in the ceremony. I did show up at prom. They did kick me out. Got my picture. I mean, that's just what, I'm just telling you. And I look back. My life was a mess. I didn't need religion. I needed my eyes open. And you know what? Working, on a, working for John Chance, surveyors, at that time before they went to Frugrow or whatever it is now, is the largest surveying company in the world. We'd go find Navy jets. We'd, we, they'd, fall, they'd crash into the ocean overseas. We would go put rigs on location and pipelines. And here I am, 19, 20 years old, and making crazy money. Crazy money. And guess what? I thought, and can I tell you something? I was always a generous guy. And I, when I'd go out and drink with people, I'd get real generous. You sauce me up a little bit. I'd have to wake up in the morning. I was giving tithe to the wrong people. I'd wake up and go check my money clip in the morning, how much I'd given away. But can I, when I cried out to God, he heard my voice cry out to him. And I met him in an incredible, I don't have time for all that. But some of you know the story. I don't, it, when I met him, he changed me from the inside out. And it wasn't about religion. It was that I met a person. And I felt, look, let me just confess, I fell in love with a man. And his name's Jesus. And he changed me from the inside out. He began to change my motives, why I was doing what I was doing and who I was doing it for. It wasn't for Bubba anymore. It wasn't to impress a girl. It wasn't to flash what I had because I was, in the world's eyes, I was successful. But in, inside, I was miserable. 
Are you hearing me? And I began to realize that God had more for this guy than just what the world had to offer me. And I said, I'm going to commit. And I'm going to give, I'm going to give 100%. And that was 38 years ago this May. On May 15th, I'm going to celebrate my spiritual birthday of 38 years loving Jesus and Him loving me. So I'm not ashamed to talk about this. I'm not afraid. And guess what? I don't care what you think. Because when you start talking like this, and people go, I'm, yeah, I'm going to do all I can for God. But I'm going to do, but you can do all that and get all excited. But some of you don't even tithe. Some of you don't even give. You say, I'll do what I... Got real quiet when I started preaching. We give, God multiplies. Remember that. He builds your faith. And we give. Are you part of the we? Seriously, are you part of the we? Are you living in the cycle of scarcity? Or are you part of the supply? Here's the thing. Are you part of the cycle, consumer or contributor? Because we give, listen to me, because we give, people are blessed. Because this is who we are. Are you part of the we? I want to invite you to become part of the we. You see, when you do, God is glorified. How many want to glorify God? It's an act of worship when we give. It is. It's not just singing songs. It's not just reading your Bible. It's not just praying. It's what we do. It's how we live. When we give, God is able to meet our needs. And not just our needs, but he's able to meet needs all around the world. You see, are you part of the we? Are you part of the we? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Baba, I want God to begin to really change my heart. I've lived in scarcity, but I know that God's speaking to me. And it's not me trying to convince you of anything. God's speaking to you. Let him have his way, guys. I'm going to put, Pastor Bubba, I want to put God to the test. You may be here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Before I share anything else, I want to give you an opportunity. Give you an opportunity. No one looking around. Say, Pastor Bubba, I'm not living like I should. I'm living in scarcity in my walk with God. I'm afraid if I commit to him 100%. I'm just afraid. Look at me. Don't look at me. Keep your head back. I know it's oxymoron. Down, up, anyway. Pastor Bubba, I know that I'm not living the way I should. I'm not living, my lifestyle is not pleasing to God. My decisions aren't pleasing to God. But I want to leave here today and I want to give my life and my heart to Jesus this morning. I don't want to live in religion. I want to walk in a relationship with him. If that's you, and say, Pastor Bubba, would you pray for me? Just lift your hand up right now. I'm, I, I, I know who to pray for. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. About 12 people. Anyone else? 
I'm not going to beg. I'm not going to plead. If that's you, thank you. Put it down. Anyone else? Thank you. Put it down. If you raise your hand right now, just say this. Say, Lord Jesus. Let's say it all together. Say, Lord Jesus, today I come. I give you my guilt, my shame, and my sin. Today, I ask you to forgive me for living a life that's all about me. I ask that you would come into my heart that I would be born again. I believe what you did for me on the cross proves your love. That you were raised from the dead. That I could have power to rise above everything I've been dealing with. In Jesus' name.